It's time for your Low Country Real Estate Market Update. It's the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show. Brian is one of the top 1% real estate agents in Charleston. Find him online at listingsincharleston.com. That's listingsincharleston.com. Or call him at 843-400-8009. Now, broadcasting from the WTMA studios, here's your host, Brian Beatty. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show here on the Big Talker, 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. I'm your host, Brian Beatty, and for almost a decade, I've been on this program helping you better understand what's happening in the housing market, not just here in Charleston, but you know the national news, the regional news, how that affects us here in the low country, so that you can stay informed. If you're thinking of buying, selling, investing in real estate, maybe becoming an agent, or you just like to stay on top of what's happening in the market, this is the show for you. I've been selling real estate for 16 years, been in the top 1% of agents since 2009, and I've uh, done about a billion dollars worth of real estate transactions over the course of my career here in Charleston. So I help you understand what's happening. I like to peel back the curtain on the industry a little bit as well so that you understand how to operate with a real estate agent uh, to find success in the housing market. So if at any point in time you guys would like to reach out to me, you have some questions for me, you'd like to talk about working with myself and my team to help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate, our phone number is 843-800-0065, 843-800-0065. You can also check us out online. Our website is listingsincharleston.com. That's listingsincharleston.com. And you've got uh, information there on everything for sale in the Charleston area. You can find out how much your home is worth. You can find out how many buyers we have in our database for your home right now if you put in your address, which is a pretty interesting feature. You can listen to, gosh, hundreds of uh, these shows in our radio show tab and a bunch of other cool things too. So listingsincharleston.com is the website. So here's what we're going to chat about over the course of the next hour. I really want you guys to kind of understand where we are as a market right now. We're, we're approaching, we're, we're here, we're in the spring market. A lot of people are hoping, watching, waiting for new listings to hit the market or for the rate at which properties are being listed to increase, which I do expect. But man, we've got some headwinds that we're, we're facing, especially with this rise in interest rates. So I'm going to help you guys understand what's happening in our local market. I'm going to talk a little bit about just finance in general, how this how this market and how the increase in rates and how the uh, impact of inflation is ultimately impacting purchase power and consumer confidence, two very important things. We'll talk a little bit more, of course, about you know if you're a buyer in this market, what you need to do in order to find success, because it is, it is tough. <laughs> Let's be honest. It is a very competitive market. Now, on the seller side... Uh, it's not a matter of if you sell, it's you know how much money can you realistically put in your pocket. And you know, a little, little clue for you here, the agent that you hire really does matter. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about hiring a contractor. A lot of folks have toyed with the idea of selling. Maybe they've been in the market, looked at some homes. They're frustrated at the fact that there just aren't many available. And so they say, you know what, rather than sell and move, we're just going to remodel. I've got a lot of experience with that. Spent millions of dollars of my own money renovating property, flipping property, uh, and gosh, I don't know how many, uh, probably 100 plus million of other people's money in the form of investor representation. Uh, So I know how much things cost, uh, generally speaking, and I really just want to talk about the process of hiring a contractor. It's really important that there are certain steps you follow in order to protect yourself. So I want to set some expectations with regard to that. And then I want to talk about something that we don't talk about too often on this program. 
uh, but something that we sell a lot of, and that's vacant land. If you're thinking of buying land to build on it, maybe you want to buy it and develop it and just make some money. You know, Maybe you're thinking of selling land that you've been holding on to. What does that look like? What are some questions that you should ask? I'm going to run through uh, some things that I have on a land sale checklist that I've prepared. Uh, so both the the document that really explains how to hire a contractor, as well as this checklist for buying or selling land, I'm going to provide to you guys today. All you need to do is text the word checklist to 843-800-0065, and I'll provide you with a copy of that, 843-800-0065. Just text the word checklist. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about what's happening in the Charleston real estate market. It's It's busy. It's fun, <laughs> but let's look, uh, let's look at a few different stats. So let's first start with homes for sale. If we look at how many homes were for sale last month at the end of March, obviously April's numbers are not out yet. So if we look at the end of March, uh, there were 720 homes for sale. All right. These are pre-owned homes. I'm not talking about proposed construction listings. These are homes that are actually available to buy and move into 720 of them in the entire tri-county area. Uh, as of last month. Compare that to last year where we had a little over 1,200 and uh, homes for sale is down 40%. But if here's here's some interesting stuff here. So if we look at the new listings that hit the market, the rate by which properties are listing for sale, last month we put 1,909 properties on the market. A year ago in March, we put 1,920 on the market. So no real change there. We're still basically putting the same number of homes on the market as we were this time last year. And if we look at pendings, the uh, pendings meaning properties that go under contract, last month we put 1,771 of them under contract. This time last year, 1,848. So that's down a few percentage points. Closings are also down 5%. We're just at the point now where there's just not enough of available inventory and there's so much demand that it's basically created this bottleneck within the market. Now, if you look at things like average days on market, how long it takes to sell something, last month it took on average 17 days. Compare that to 31 days, March of last year, and that's down 45%. Uh, if we look at month's supply of inventory, we've got half a month's supply of inventory. It's the lowest we've ever had. Meaning if nothing else hit the market in half a month, we'd be sold out. Now, that's obviously not going to happen because <laughs> we've got averages here to play with. Uh, but just generally speaking, we look at month supply of inventory to kind of measure the health of a real estate market and determine whether it's a buyer market, a seller market, or a balanced market. To have a balanced market, you need around six months supply of inventory. We haven't had that for years. It's been a seller's market for several years now. So when we look at that and then we look at, all right, well, if we're going to hit the market, what should we expect? I mean, this is a conversation that we have with sellers when uh, we're about to put their property on the market because pricing a property is pretty challenging right now. First of all, I don't think a lot of agents know how to price a property effectively. And I'm going to stay here for just a quick second because I want to explain this. This is really important. What most agents will do if they've not been really well trained on this is they'll look at everything that's sold in that area and they'll say, okay, well, properties are selling for, you know, pick a number, $200 a square foot. So your home's worth around $200 a square foot. So you've got a 2,000 square foot home that's $400,000. Well, what agents should be doing is they should be looking at specific properties and making specific adjustments to each comparable sale based on what that, ha- that that home has or does not have in relation to the subject property. So if one property had a one-car garage and the other 
property had a two-car garage. We need to make an adjustment for that. We need to make an adjustment for square footage, condition, upgrades, lot size, features, so on and so forth. All of these things mean value. And if we're not taking that into consideration, then we're not being specific with our pricing. Now, on one hand, we've got the very analytical approach to what we believe that property is worth based on what people are willing to pay for similar properties. And we have a record of that because we can look at sales over the course of the past few months. But in a market that's moving this fast and that has this much demand, we need to have a general idea of, all right, well, this is what we think the property could appraise for. This is what the data suggests the property is worth. Obviously, the seller has their own opinion of what they believe it's worth or how much they want to sell it for. But then we've got the buyer and how much they're willing to pay. And in a market like this, where the number of homes for sale goes down and the number of buyers in the market goes up, the difference between how much something is worth on paper and how much a buyer is willing to spend, that gap gets wider. So that's why you're seeing so many of these properties going for 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, $400,000 over asking price. It's the demand among buyers. And so when we talk with sellers, we tell them that, you know, the, the market is going to tell us in very short order whether we've kind of hit the nail on the head with regard to pricing or not. And the two options that we're typically suggesting to sellers right now is you, we can either price it at what we believe it's worth, which will likely generate a bidding war. And then you get buyers fighting over each other. You hope that they get emotional over the process and then ultimately you have this offer with really clean terms at a, at a price that's above what you're asking, and you take that. Just a little bit more risky. I certainly wouldn't do that if it was a really unique home in a unique area. Uh, we're doing that for more kind of like the run-of-the-mill property, where, there, where we know there's significant demand. The other option is, you know, let's price it ahead of where the market is, understanding that the market will come up to us or a buyer will agree with how much we want for the property because they understand in this environment, it's just a big giant game of leapfrog, right? One property hits the market for 400, the next one hits the market for 409, then 425, and so on and so forth. It just keeps going up. And it seems like there's not much end in sight, but here's the reality. We can see how many showings other properties in that area and price range are getting per month. That is a great target for us to hit. So in other words, we'll say, hey, in this area, in this price range, we know that you should be expecting, let's just call it 12 showings per month, right? Three a week. Well, in the majority of properties that we've listed so far this year, we're getting 12 showings in the first weekend. Now, not every property is going to experience that, but on average in our market last month, it was 11 showings per listing. This time last year, it was nine. The number of showings needed to put a property under contract is 16. So we know in very short order how many showings we've had, what the feedback from those showings have been. And if we're expecting you know, a dozen showings in the first week or two, because it's a really hot market, and we only get one or two showings, well, then we know we've kind of missed the mark and we let a little time go by just to extract anomalies. And then we make an adjustment if necessary. But a lot of people are kind of leaning more towards, hey, let's price it ahead of the market and wait for that buyer to come up to us. And in doing so, kind of set the next benchmark for what homes are worth in that area. But we also need to talk about interest rates, the impact of affordability, couple that with inflation, couple that with 
increase in prices. And we've got a bit of a serious problem on our hands. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Stick around. This is more of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show right here on the Big Talker 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. And remember, if you want to reach out to me, you've got some questions about the market, you're thinking of buying, selling, or investing in real estate, or you're thinking of becoming an agent yourself, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Our number is 843-800-0065, 843-800-0065, or check us out online at listingsincharleston.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Have a real estate question? Ask Brian Beatty. Send him an email, lowcountryhomesales at gmail.com. The Brian Beatty Real Estate Show is on 1250 WTMA. 1250 WTMA. You're listening to the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show on the Big Talker. 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. Welcome back, folks, as the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show continues here on the Big Talker, 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. I'm, of course, your host, Brian Beatty. Thanks so much for joining me as we talk about real estate here in the Charleston market, uh, which really does, you know, some of these things we're mentioning, it applies to, you know, really any market because we do talk about national, real, regional stats. So for those of you that are watching on YouTube or listening to our podcast or watching these on our website, uh, the information is pretty reliable, but of course, I do serve the Charleston market. We're a real estate company. We've been in business for 16 years, and so for those of you listening, thinking of making a move, we'd love the opportunity to earn your business. Our number, if you'd like to reach out to us and uh, talk with me about your your interest in buying, selling, investing, maybe even becoming an agent, my number is 843-800-0065. You can call or text that number, 843-800-0065, or check us out online, Listings in Charleston. Dot com. That's listingsincharleston.com. A lot of great information on there. Uh, you can find out how much your home is worth, find out how many buyers we're working with right now for a home like yours. It's usually in the hundreds. Uh, we've got almost 20,000, well, we've got over 20,000 people now in our database that are actively getting properties from us. They are they are waiting for properties to hit the market. And granted, these folks are in different stages of the process. Not everybody is ready, willing, and able to buy a house right this moment. But if you'd like to kind of take the easy route and say, hey, I'd like to sell my home. I don't necessarily want to have it uh, be a, you know, a zoo for a weekend or two with you know, 30 plus couples walking through my house. If you have a buyer, let me know. And in most instances, frankly, we do. So if you're interested in selling your property, please give me a call, 843-800-0065 or again, listingsincharleston.com. So let me, let me get back here to what's happening in this market. We've just talked about the stats. We've talked about how because of the lack of inventory, it really is kind of bottlenecking progress. We're not seeing an increase in pending sales or closings. Uh, We've seen a little bit of a dip in listings that have hit the market. I was expecting more to have hit the market in the first quarter of this year. I'm hoping that more, I'm hoping that that will pick up. Uh, But in reality, we're putting about the same number of homes on the market now as we were this time last year. I think we're all just kind of hoping, waiting, watching uh, to see new inventory hit the market. But here's the here's the elephant in the room: is the fact that the interest rate on the, on a 30 year fixed mortgage is now over five percent. I'm hearing people that are getting locked at five and a half, five and three quarters for jumbo rate mortgages. We haven't had that really since 2011, save for a few days in in 2018. This time last year, we were at. We were under 3.5%. We were at 3.38% basically a year ago today. So we've jumped two percentage points. 
I'm going to tell you in just a minute what that actually means uh, because we, we focus a lot on payment, the affordability factor of real estate. And we all know that as prices continue to go up, as interest rates go up, as inflation goes up, there's only so much money, right? So right now, the average sales price in our market, the Tri-County area, is $562,000. Now, follow me here for a second. For the typical, not, not typical, but for like a really good borrower, 740-plus credit score, they're putting 20% down. For that type of buyer to buy a $562,000 property, the average, that means that their average monthly payment is $2,700 a month. Now, that is just principal and interest. That does not include taxes and insurance or HOA fees. That's just principal and interest. So if we know it takes roughly $2,700 a month to afford today's average-priced home, let's look at the impact on purchase power as these rates fluctuate. I mean, keep in mind that this is just principal and interest. It does not factor in taxes or insurance. But for somebody that can afford $2,700 a month as their monthly mortgage payment, at a 3% interest rate, that means they can buy a $700,000 house. At 4%, that means they can buy a $629,000 house. At 5%, where we are now, actually we're a little above that, $562,000. At 6%, that drops to $512,000. And at 7%, and I know reputable lenders, industry leaders, that do truly believe we could be at 7% by the end of the year. Well, if interest rates are at 7% and you can afford $2,700 a month as your monthly mortgage payment, that means that you're buying a $466,000 property. Literally meaning that over the course of almost a year, we have gone, the, the purchase power of a buyer has almost been cut in half. Not quite, but almost. It's about 35%, 40%. That is incredible. Now, for home buyers that are already facing basically the priciest housing market in recorded history, higher rates are just, they're only adding to the pain. Another report uh, that was released a little early in the week from CoreLogic showed that prices in February were up 20% nationwide from a year ago. That is the 12th consecutive month of annual increases. Now we look at things like the Consumer Price Index, which measures you know, a, a wide-ranging you know, basket of, of goods and services. That's up 8% in February from a year ago. Prices on everything from food that you put on the table to the gas that powers your car is up. In fact, inflation is costing the average U.S. household an additional $300 per month, according to um, you know, a, a survey that recently came out. Now, in this survey, they also said that 52% of people said that they are under more financial stress right now than they were a year ago. 61% disapprove of the way Joe Biden's handling inflation. Surprise, surprise. And the current environment has a majority of Americans just concerned about a recession. 81% of people that were surveyed believe that one is likely to happen this year. So in these, you know, we, we already know that the, um, you know, the, the, the central bank has increased interest rates. They increased it last month to try and combat inflation, but they're expecting another six hikes this year. If, if the Fed does not calibrate things just right, which there's probably a one in five chance that they get it right, then, then I think we could be heading toward a recession. 
it just at some point the music's got to stop playing. There's only so much uh, wage increases and uh, appreciation that people can apply to the next home that they buy. And so if you really think about it over the course of the past several years, I mean, really even dating back to gosh, 2000 and what was that? 2006 or 2008 with the first time home buyer tax credit of $8,000. And then at several points along the way, obviously excluding the crash that we had in 2008. But if you really think about it over the course of the past several years, there's been some sort of financial incentive to move. You know, if somebody had a home that was $400,000 at a, you know, a, a 5% interest rate, and then all of a sudden rates drop, now they can go buy a $700,000 house at a 3% interest rate and keep the same monthly payment. I mean, it's pretty amazing to have watched people jump into these newer, better, more expensive homes for the same monthly rate. Well, guess what? That's not around anymore. You know, it's like, don't be upset that uh, it's no longer there. Be happy that it happened in the first place, right? So I hope that those of you that are listening really took advantage of refinancing when rates were, I mean, below 3%. But that in and of itself really has people questioning, all right, well, do I really want to move out of this house and this, you know, 3% interest rate that I have or 2.5% interest rate that I have to go and buy something that's at a 5.5% interest rate? There are a lot of people out there where that answer is, you know, I'd like to do that, but I just don't know how practical that is. I think maybe instead of doing that, I'm just going to, you know, renovate where I am. I'm going to make this place uh, my own. Well, make it better, <laughs> right? So that's that's the challenge is watching the increase in just life, right? watching the increase in cost associated with living your life. To, to buy the same stuff that we were buying last year, it's already costing us $300 more dollars per month and that's probably going to get worse before it gets better. We've got prices that are continuously going up in our market. We've got interest rates that have jumped up basically 2 percentage points in a little over a year. And that is going to put a stop to consumer confidence. So here's here's when this market is going to change. When people believe that prices will stop going up or when they feel like it's just too dangerous or it's just too risky for me to speculate on this property right now, that's when the rate of appreciation will significantly slow down. Now, of course, for us here in Charleston, we're a bit insulated in that we've got people moving here from all over the country, frankly, all over the world, and they're moving here and they've got money. And and that's why you're seeing, even in the luxury markets in Charleston, it's competitive there too. You know, million dollar plus properties selling sight unseen. I've got a five and a half million dollar house on the beach uh, for sale. And we got an offer before we even put it on the market, a good offer. So it's crazy across the board right now. The challenge that I think a lot of people have, especially if you're a buyer, well, I guess let me, let me focus on the seller side just for a quick second. Just about anybody with a real estate license can hire a professional photographer, put your property on the MLS and then as soon as it goes on the MLS, it then broadcasts to you know Zillow and Redfin and Realtor.com and Trulia and just all, thousands of websites. Any real estate agent can do this, generate showings, and get you an offer. But I'm here to tell you that there is a big difference between an agent that is experienced and one that is not. So I think the challenge you have as a seller right now isn't that 
you know, hey, can I sell my home? It's how do I navigate this market and this process to put the most amount of money in my pocket possible? You as a seller are not going to see a market like, once this market ends, we're not going to see another one like this for a very long time. And so you've got FOMO, you've got fear of missing out both on the seller side and on the buyer side. As a buyer, I think the biggest challenge you have right now, aside from just the overall availability of inventory, is the lack of direction that you're sometimes getting from agents. In other words, you know, it's, hey, how much can, how much do you want to pay to try and buy this house? It's listed for $500,000. What I'm finding is agents aren't saying, hey, here's what I think it's worth, but I wouldn't be surprised if it sold for this. What they're saying is, well, how much do you want to pay for it? That's, that's not the kind of representation that most people want, right? They want an agent they can trust that's going to tell them, here's how much I would go on this property without feeling like you are overpaying. It's, a, it's very easy for an agent to spend your money, but it's something else entirely to spend that money as if it were their own and to protect your best interests. And I'm not saying that there, you know, that by and large, the agent population doesn't know what they're doing. Of course they do, but there is a difference between an experienced agent that really knows how to navigate it and find these little points in time throughout the transaction where key decisions and behaviors do directly result in either money in or money out of that transaction. Experienced agents listening to this program know exactly what I'm talking about. Inexperienced agents are thinking, well, yeah, I wonder, I wonder what those things are. They just, they haven't been through enough deals yet. They haven't problem solved enough yet to have that creativity and, and that overall experience to say, Hey, this is what's going to happen before it happens. Let me answer your questions before you even ask them. Let me help you provide uh, an under, let me provide an understanding for how this part of this process usually goes. And here's what we need to watch out for. Here's what we need to prepare for. And here's how I would suggest handling the situation. Once, once people experience that kind of representation and, and even in a market like this, that's crazy, they, they get that peace of mind. That's what results in, in a significantly better transaction and ultimately puts more money in your pocket. So I tell you what, when we come back, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to talk about hiring a contractor. I know a lot of folks have reached out to me in the past and I've offered up my contacts, the people that I use when I flip property, when our investors flip property, when we renovate, when you know, all those things. If you need a contact, I've got a ton of them and they're good. They're vetted by us. We actively use them. We have, gosh, I don't know how, at least a million dollars plus uh, in projects uh, on an annual basis that we hire contractors for. So we know this game extremely well. So we're going to talk about that next. But if you're curious to know what your home is worth, what a buyer would pay for your home right now, or if we have a buyer for your home, or I guess even more importantly, yeah, I'd like to sell my home, but where do I go? That's a very popular question right now. And for good reason. Well, just like we have a bunch of buyers we're working with that would like to purchase a property as soon as something hits the market, we also have a bunch of sellers that are preparing to sell their home. If we can match up a buyer with a seller, it makes that process way better and a lot easier. So regardless of whether you're buying or selling or you want to invest or even become a real estate agent, give us a call. We'd love to help you out and and possibly earn your business. My number is 843-800-0065. That's 843-800-0065. Or check us out online at listingsincharleston.com. That's listingsincharleston.com. Stick around for more of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show right here on the Big Talker 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. 
Find Brian Beatty online at listingsincharleston.com. The Brian Beatty Real Estate Show continues next on The Big Talker, 1250 WTMA. 1250 WTMA, The Big Talker. Now, the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show continues on Charleston's Big Talker, 1250 WTMA. Welcome back, folks. As the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show continues here on the Big Talker, 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com, I always like to take just a moment and say how much I appreciate those of you that listen to this program. I know there are a lot of you that listen out here uh, frequently, um, sometimes religiously, <laughs> and, uh, and, you, and I get calls from you guys, and, and I'm happy to help. I, I really am. Uh, so I, I do get a lot of calls from folks that just need a, a recommendation for maybe a contractor or just to kind of spitball through a different scenario. And so regardless of whether you want to buy a home, sell a home, invest in real estate, become a real estate agent, or you just need some help and some guidance, I'm here for you. Feel free to give me a call. My cell phone number, which you can call or text, is 843-800-0065, 843 It comes to me directly. Or you can check us out online, listingsincharleston.com. So I want to talk about hiring a contractor. Hiring a contractor is no easy task. And today, you know, contractors are busy. There's a shortage of materials, a shortage of labor. You know, just to mention a few issues, you know, facing a homeowner ready to hire a contractor for renovation or a major repair. But you're investing a substantial amount of money in your home and you want the job done correctly, on budget, and on time. And a reputable contractor is going to understand how important your home is to you and, and the renovations you're about to do. They're going to know that you have a lot of questions. They need to be available to answer those questions. If they can't or won't answer your questions, they're not the contractor for you. Move on to another. So I'm going to give you some things to, to think through here. First and foremost, ask for references. You know, word of mouth recommendations from friends and family are always a good idea. Like I've mentioned, we do you know, over a million dollars in projects a year through contractors. We've got basically anybody for anything that you would need and they're vetted and it doesn't cost you any money to tap into my network. It's one of the things that we offer here, right? It's, we, we do more than just help facilitate transactions. We are connectors, right? For anything housing related. So if you're thinking of a remodel, feel free to reach out to me. We've already checked their references. We have actually done jobs with them before we recommend them. We know they're licensed, they're bonded, they're insured. We've got copies of all of that stuff. So uh, lean on us for, for stuff like that. But I, I would say that once you find your contractor, you need to expect timeliness from them. Not showing up when expected is and not completing projects on time are basically near or at the top of complaints when it comes to dealing with contractors. So this begins with a face-to-face -face meeting. If they don't show up or they call ahead of time with a legitimate excuse for rescheduling, you know, it's up to you whether you give them a second chance or not. But if they're going to, you know, if they show up late and they're a mess and, you know, they haven't taken the time to you know, kind of clean themselves up or there's dirt all in their boots and they're, you notice there's like a ton of trash in their car and you have a very specific uh, remodeling job in mind that requires a lot of maybe finish work. Uh, and cleanliness, you know, you're going to have to be vigilant of these types of things when dealing with the contractor that you ultimately hire. For me, when I'm doing flips, especially not being on time to jobs or 
maybe starting a job and then getting distracted with another job and you leave me hanging. That doesn't fly with me. I don't work with contractors like that. You shouldn't either. Obviously, after we've you know done a good job of articulating what kind of timeliness we expect out of them, we need to be prepared with a fully defined project. You know, it's gonna and, and the first thing that I would do before you spend a bunch of time having a contractor walk through your house is interview them over the phone. There's nothing wrong with that. Ask them some questions. Do you have time for a job like this? When could you get started? Are you open to providing me with recommendations or are you only looking for a scope of work? You also need to know who any subcontractors will be. You know, it's, it's really nice and good when the contractor has all the skills needed for the entire project and, and it gives them the most control over the budget and the timeline. But if they're going to be subcontractors, you need to know who they are. Are they licensed? Are they insured? And you need to insist that the contractor obtain and provide you with lien releases from all subcontractors and suppliers. All, all that does is protect you if the contractor, the general contractor, doesn't pay the subcontractors. Because then they're going to throw a lien on the property. So you need to ask for those. Um, I would also ask about any other projects they're currently working on. You know, this is going to be relevant to the size of the company, but you, know, you want to have this discussion. You know, after you have a feel for how much work they can handle simultaneously, you know, ask specific questions like, how will you handle my job at the same time as these other jobs? Maybe they don't have enough people to go around, and that's going to cause delays, added costs, and inconvenience. That's something that you should ask beforehand. And it's going to be especially irritating if you're doing a kitchen remodel and you're having to eat out of a microwave or eat out for four weeks, four months, however big your kitchen is. You need to make sure that they're on it, that they're getting through it. Now, the next thing here is you know making sure that they are properly licensed, getting uh, copies of all of that, making sure that uh, they're pulling permits for any work that they do where permits are necessary. Um, you know, there's the 50% rule that not a lot of people know about, meaning if you're renovating or touching more than 50% of the home and improving it, then everything needs to be brought up to code. That might not have been a cost you were anticipating. That contractor should know those kinds of things. They should make you aware of that rather than getting into the job and then saying, oh, you know what? They're making us bring everything up to code. Sorry, I have to throw another $15,000 on here. You also need to make sure that you are reviewing their contract. I, I had a, um, I have a property that I'm flipping out in Walterboro right now, and we were working with this one contractor. We were getting quotes. He was, it's a, it's a full renovation. I mean, it's a, it's a hundred thousand dollar job, and because we're renovating basically everything on the inside and outside of this house, the fifty percent rule applies, meaning that any plumbing or electrical we touch has got to be brought up to code. And so we're going back and forth with, you know, planning, zoning, permitting, making sure that we know everything that uh, is going to be expected of us as we're renovating this property. And we finally get to the point where, you know, the contractor sends me the quote, the numbers look good. I say, great, send me a contract and get this at the very bottom of the contract. First of all, the contract in and of itself, the agreement for me to hire this contractor looked like a 12 year old wrote it. In fact, the 12-year-old probably could have done a better job given the amount of spelling errors and grammatical errors in this thing. But at the very bottom, like little right above the signature line, it was a double asterisk, and then it said, contractor shall be due 20% of the profit from the sale. <laughs> Way out of left field. They throw this thing in this agreement. We've never talked about that. 
I'm not interested in partnering with this contractor. I'm interested in hiring you and paying you for a job. And I'd be willing to bet that he has gotten away with that, that some people have signed that agreement without reading through it, and then they get surprised when the contractor says, hey, thanks for paying me for the work that I did, but how about all that profit you made? Where's my portion of it? You've got to look at these contracts. You've got to read them. It's incredibly important that you do that. And I'll tell you another little trick that sometimes contractors pull, not to necessarily throw them under the bus, but things you need to be aware of when you're hiring somebody and paying them a boatload of money to renovate your property is they will say something like, install new bathroom vanity or install uh, tile in the shower. Now, what they are trying to do is just be responsible for the installation. You likely had the assumption that they were providing those materials and installing them. But then they go back to you and say, no, 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 I'm just installing it. You got to go and you got to buy all the stuff. And now you've got this major disagreement and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in materials that you're now responsible for because you signed that agreement. So you got to be really careful with some of this stuff. You need to also really understand payment schedules. If you have a contractor that wants the full cost of the job up front, uh-uh, run. I'm not even really okay with 50%. That's going to give you a really good indication of the financial stability of your contractor. If somebody's asking for a huge down payment in the very beginning, I'm telling you, it's, it's tough to fight these folks and get your money back when they cash that check and then they don't show up for a few weeks or a month or two after they said they were going to start. It's just a big pain in the you-know-what. A good standard of practice would be like 15% down or 10% down and then 25% three times based on different stages of completion and then 10 to 15% as a final payment once all of the uh, you know bullet points and, and the finish work has been done. Because in most instances, that 10 to 15%, sometimes 20%, represents the contractor's profit. So they don't actually profit until everything's done. That, in my opinion, is the way it should work. And you know there are contractors out there that are going to ask for a little bit more. If you've got a very materials-heavy job, sometimes that makes sense. Look at it on a case-by-case basis. Um, and then I think the last thing is, you know, how is that contractor going to communicate with you before, during, and after the project? Do you want daily or weekly written reports, the occasional verbal update? Is that okay with you? Do you want 24-hour notice before any subcontractors will be there? I mean, what is it that you expect in the form of communication from that contractor? If you don't identify that and solidify that, then I think you're going to find communication with your contractor to be very challenging. So the more you can front load these expectations, the better off you will be. Now, I have a full checklist and uh, an e-guide that I wrote on how to hire a contractor. If you would like a copy of that, just text the word checklist to 843-800-0065. 843-800-0065. If you want, you can reach out to me through my website, listingsincharleston.com. But Text or call 843-800-0065 for a free copy of this checklist associated with hiring a contractor. Stick around for the last few minutes of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show here on The Big Talker, 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. Stay tuned for more of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show on 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. 1250 WTMA. 
expert news and views on the low country real estate scene. The Brian Beatty Real Estate Show on 1250 WTMA. Welcome back, folks, to the last few minutes of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show right here on the Big Talker 1250 WTMA and WTMA.com. We've already covered a lot of ground today, so if you'd like an update or if you'd like to listen back to anything that we've covered on the show, if you're just joining us, you can always listen to previous versions of this show on my website, listingsincharleston.com. We also have a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, so on and so forth. You can see all our videos on YouTube, or if you just want to Google the Brian Beatty team, then you can find us there. But I want to talk for just the last few minutes here on buying and selling land. We do a lot of it. And it's, it's not something that most agents focus on because it's just a bit of a different skill set, different type of transaction. Uh, but we'll probably sell about 50 pieces of land this year. That's about what we've uh, been doing. And so I want you to just, I've got this checklist that I, that I run through for any property that I'm looking at, whether it's for me to speculatively invest in. You know, maybe I just see a piece of dirt and I'm like, you know, I wonder what, what, I, what I could do with that. I wonder if that's subdividable. How many lots could I turn that parcel into? Uh, maybe I could change the zoning uh, and then sell that once that's done and subdivided and you know make some money on that. Or maybe, of course, you're looking at something that you want to buy and then build on. Maybe you're a seller and you've been holding on to this piece of land you were planning on building and materials costs have gone through the roof and you've, you just don't want to deal with it anymore. That's Frankly, that's a lot of the lots that we end up selling are people that are like, well, we're going to buy it and build on it and our plans just changed. So, you know, you've got a few different sections that I think you really need to look at. You need to look at the legal concerns of the property, the construction issues that you're going to deal with, with that property, the design issues that you might have. Uh, And of course, you've got the main cost factors that roll into acquiring the property, um, upfitting the property, and then just a few other things, uh, of course, to think about. So I'm just going to give you a few little examples here, but if you guys are interested in selling land or buying land or just really educating yourself on that process. There's a bunch of money to be made in it, uh, whether you're an investor uh, or you know, you're know you kind of taking control over the process and saying, rather than go and find something pre-existing, I'm going to build right now. Well, there's some things, of course, that you need to know, like how buildable is this lot? You know, We have a lot of marsh front lots around here, a lot of low-lying area. So if the lot doesn't perk, if there's no availability of sewer, uh, if you're really close to critical lines, it's going to def- it's going to shrink the overall buildable area of that lot. So we need to kind of have an idea, of course, of what you want to build before we go shopping for a lot to make sure that the footprint of that house is going to fit on that lot and the buildable area of it. You know, has the site ha- passed a perk test, and is that still valid? Most of them, are, you know, expired about three years. Uh, if public sewer isn't available, you know, is it suitable for a conventional septic system or for an expensive? alternative system like an engineered system you know are the boundaries clearly marked um you know can the seller provide clear title for the property can they provide a survey what's it zoned for you know these are all the different things that we need to be aware of from kind of like a legal perspective you know was the land formerly used to store old vehicles or (laughs) farm chemicals industry chemicals other toxins you know buried propane tanks um, and of course, are there building restrictions you know, to the wetlands, water frontage, uh, steep slopes, so on and so forth. All these different things need to be taken into consideration along with things like access. Is there legal access by road or right-of-way, i.e. I- an, an easement? You know, Has that easement been recorded? Who maintains the road? I'll tell you one big problem that we run into is someone will live on a private road 
and there were multiple properties on that road. You know, this the road isn't maintained except for by the owners, but there's no agreement in writing as to who's responsible for that. If you're getting a loan, that will not pass. You'll have to have that in writing, which means I got to roll around and knock on doors <laughs> to get signatures of everybody to say, hey, this is the maintenance agreement that we need to have. Uh, so just some things for you to be aware of. And I'm, I'm basically running out of time here. And so what I'm going to leave you with this is, is, is if you're interested in receiving a copy of this information, just text the word checklist to 843-800-0065. That's 843-800-0065. Or check us out online at listingsincharleston.com. That's listingsincharleston.com. Thanks so much. You guys enjoy your weekend. And thanks for listening to the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show on the Big Talker 1250 WTMA. Join us for another edition of the Brian Beatty Real Estate Show next Saturday morning at 9 and Sunday morning at 10. Contact Brian Beatty online at listingsincharleston.com. That's listingsincharleston.com. Or call him at 843-400-8009. That's 843-400-8009.